When King Charles III and his wife Camilla, the Queen Consort, are crowned on May 6, it'll be just one month shy of 70 years since his mother, Queen Elizabeth II's coronation. So it is indeed a once-in-a-lifetime event. So imagine being an Australian musician so revered that you're invited to Westminster Abbey to play at the 2023 coronation. Well, that's exactly what's happened to Australian violin virtuoso Madeline Easton. She'll be there for the ceremony, but right now she joins 6PR Afternoons. Hello, Madeline. Hello, hello. Hi. What an absolute honour. How are you feeling? Um, it, I've, uh, well, it's one of those occasions where you're not sure how you feel because it's so extraordinary. It's so out of the ordinary. And, um, well, extraordinary is out of the ordinary. I beg your pardon. But it is such a once-in-a-lifetime experience that, you know, not in a million, billion years could I ever have imagined I would be there. So how did you how did how did the invitation come about? Tell me the lead up to it and what happened. Okay, so it's actually um sort of a bit of a right place, right time um scenario. And um I've been performing with Sir John Elliott Gardner and the English Brock soloist Monteverdi Choir for twenty years now. And um as a result of that, I've worked my way up the ranks and John Elliott got to know me and we work really well together and um he actually gave me the confidence and the know-how and mentored me as a director and a conductor myself. And so it was sort of um, his encouragement which gave me the confidence to move back here to Australia and form my own dedicated Bach Ensemble, which I now run for Bach Academy Australia. Um, but he's actually invited me back to join my old orchestra, the English Baroque Soloist Monteverdi Choir, for this very, very special occasion. And I do feel very grateful because he could have asked um, a million other violinists, but he didn't. He asked me. And for that, I am supremely grateful. Uh, you must be terribly excited. And I believe that the music you're going to be, be playing is completely top secret. Oh, yes, it is. Absolutely. Um, he, yes, the palace does not want anything to be revealed yet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Now, you're playing a very special violin, which is your violin. Can you tell us about that? Because it's very, very old and precious. It's an extremely precious, beautiful um, instrument. Um, yes, I found this instrument in London, actually, at a shop um, which deals exclusively in the old Italians, um, you know, like Stradivari, Guarneri, Del Jesus and so this particular violin um, is made by Giovanni Grancino and he was actually making instruments in Milano, not down south in Cremona, which was the traditional major centre of instrument making. Um, and it was made in 1682, can you believe? Wow. Um, and I wish someone would could have told me the story of this violin. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers that film called The Red Violin. It came out a while back. Yes, but I it do. Traced the yeah, and um, it traced the story of the violin through the centuries. And now this instrument that I have must have been through some incredible experiences over those hundreds of years, over 300 years. Um, when I asked the people at the, sh um, at the shop I bought it from in London the story of the violin, and they said the owner um, doesn't want to release any details of the instrument. And I'm like, oh, no. So I honestly have no idea the story of, of what happened with this instrument. But what I do know is that it is in mint condition. And someone, whoever they were, um, met all the many owners of this instrument must have taken such great care of it because for a 300-odd-year-old violin, it is in staggeringly beautiful condition. How long, you know, have you, how long have you been playing this violin, Madeline? 
Um, since 2010. What? I've had the beautiful Granchino. It, it is amazing how string instruments just improve with age. Why is that? Um, it's Well, for several reasons, I think. Um, number one, it's got to do with the quality of wood that was used to make it in the first place and also the, the type of varnish and the construction of it as well. Um, and But wood is interesting because wood is made up of cells just like human beings are. And um, in order for a cell to sort of live it has to vibrate um and wood if, if the instruments for example aren't played they close up and the wood stops to resonate and um stops resonating so if you have a violin that hasn't been played for years and years and years you have to carefully open it up again and get the cells of the wood vibrating again um that's a, that's a side story really um but yeah um this instrument is indeed incredibly special um and yeah yeah, and you love it, obviously. Now, your, yes. your own career, you studied music in Australia and then went overseas where you spent many years. What made you decide to come back to Australia? Well, do you know what? The single biggest answer to that was Brexit, actually. I mean, the second that vote happened, um, I cried for a start. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I quickly realised that... Um, all of the European tours we'd been doing for all of that time would, would evaporate. And you know what? I was 90% right about that because we've all built our careers on the free movement around Europe. I certainly did. And, mm. you know, all of my colleagues did. And all of a sudden, bang, you needed a visa to cross the channel. You no longer had reciprocal tax arrangements and um, all sorts of things like that. And the European countries took one look at the British orchestras and went, it's too much hassle. We're not having you. And, um, you know, in the subsequent years, I just saw my income drop. And that was on, on top of how big the income drop was after the 2008 COVID. financial crisis. Mm. Um, this was before COVID. Yep. Um, but, you know, and I just thought, um, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I, I thought, um, I just could see that life was going to get extremely tough, even tougher than it already is. And life is tough in London. It's a really tough city to survive in. It's expensive. It's big, it's tiring, it's wonderful, of course, but I just thought, um, I don't think I want to do this for the rest of my life. And then Sir John Elliott, the wonderful man that he is, said, Madeline, you need to go and direct. You're a director. I know it and you know it. Go and start your own orchestra. Make Australia proud. Give them something wonderful. And the combination of Brexit and his encouragement gave me the idea to come back here and start Bach Academy and here I am. <laughs> and how's that how's the Bach Academy going for you? Look, it's been wonderful. Um I had a lot of people tell me that Australia wouldn't want a dedicated Bach orchestra. Um but I have faith. I had real faith in people here because I think there there was a market for people who wanted something really beautiful and enriching and soulful um and Bach's music gives you so much of that. It also, um, because he was a mathematician, a symbologist, a numerologist, and a cryptologist, <laughs> there's all these fantastic things woven into his music. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, as well as beautiful music, Bach is the man for you. <laughs> um, and other, other countries, like, for example, Holland with the Amsterdam Baroque Orchestra, Japan with its Bach Collegium Japan, the Stuttgart Bach Academy, so many countries around the world have their own dedicated Bach orchestras simply because they recognise the importance of this composer in Western classical music. And now Australia also has its own dedicated Bach orchestra. So it really is my mission to put Australia on the worldwide map in this area.
you know. What's your favourite piece of Bach? Oh, that's easy. Um, <laughs> um, the B minor math, hand down. No yep. competition there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. Yep. I'm glad that you're that you're quick to answer that. Now, I was having a little bit a bit of a look at your background. I mean, you came from a very musical family. Uh, your father yeah. was a an extraordinary composer who sadly uh, passed from motor neuron disease when you were only very young. That yeah. must have been uh, a very difficult time for you. You were only 22. I was. It was horrific, actually. Um, yeah, for many reasons. Um, but, yeah, what can you do? Got to get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> but you also, uh, when you were a young teen, were keen on being a ballet dancer. Why did you not pursue that side of your creati- creativity? I tried. <laughs> but, um, no, I got a funny little knee issue called Osgood schlatters disease. Um, it's a bit of a, 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 a weird one, but um, it, I had to come off my of point shoes and any kind of impactful sport for an entire year whilst my bone knitted itself back together. It was just a case of growing too fast. And sometimes if you grow too fast, you can develop funny little things like that. And I was told under no uncertain terms that if I didn't come off my point shoes for that year, one leg would be shorter than the other and I'd have long-term bone problems. So there you go. And that was when I was 14 and that's a crucial time in ballet. It is. Um, so that put paid to that, unfortunately. But that's okay. You know, I always have dance in my life. I'm really passionate about it and I always will be. So tell me what happens now with the uh, coronation. When do, you, when do you go to London? Do you rehearse for some time beforehand? What's the, what's the pro- program without giving away trade secrets? <laughs> so I will actually be going over on the 1st of April to join Sir John Elliott and the English Baroque Soloists for a tour around Europe of none other than Bach's B minor mass. <laughs> which is great. And this is because it, it's, it's to celebrate John Elliott's 80th birthday. It'll be really quite an incredible occasion. And so um, it's his favourite piece too, by the way. Oh, that's um, good. Or one off. I shouldn't say that. Yeah, I think it's his favourite piece. Um, so we will be travelling around Europe for a good three weeks. So by the time we get back to London, um, we'll be really match fit for the coronation. Fantastic. And you'll, uh, you'll uh, no doubt... Be in Westminster Abbey. Are you? How do you feel about that? Look, it's an amazing place. I've actually been there many, many times before and performed there many times before. So I know the venue very well, and it's a great. It's a. It's a welcoming, beautiful venue. So church, I should say. So cathedral, even abbey. Yeah. <laughs> an abbey. Yeah, that's it. An abbey. Well, yeah. it's it's an enormous achievement and warm congratulations from all of us here in Western Australia. Oh, thank you. I'm so proud to be going as the Aussie hurrah, you know. And, yeah, hopefully I'll make you all proud. (laughs) I'm sure you will. And thank you for your time this afternoon on Afternoons. Look, thank you so much. My great pleasure. Isn't she uh, a a breath of fresh air, Madeline Easton? Uh, Steve on the text line says, what a great interview and such an enthusiastic person person she is. Make sure you put some more information on your website about her and her Bach orchestra. Uh, I will ask Sam to do that. And just to give you all a bit of a treat, her favourite... Uh, Her favourite piece of Bach is the Mass in B minor. Here's just a little bit of it. 